0: Good morning. good morning, I'm grateful to be here today, and it's kind of interesting because I called Peter about a month ago and I said, Pete, we haven't gotten together um, in a while, so I'd like to come and see you, and I would like, I think that the weekend of the Michigan, Michigan State game would be a good weekend to do it. And then he told me that he was speaking, and probably offered me the opportunity to speak as well. So, I will hopefully not take too much of Peter's time, but I did want uh, to take the opportunity to share with you my testimony and tie it into a familiar story in John chapter 9. So, if you would like to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9, I would appreciate that. And I will just, uh, before we start reading our passage, I will begin by telling you a little bit of my story. Um, my name is Andrew Gomison and I am the oldest of 11 children. Um, for the greater part of my childhood I was raised in um, suburban Grand Rapids. And, but I was born in Jackson, Michigan on May 27, 1979. And there's a lot of good things about being born in May. Um, not the least of which is the weather is warm again. And it shows that you've survived another Michigan winter. Uh, But also, um, I was born on Memorial Day weekend, so they have parades. And when I was little, I used to think the parades were for me. (laughs) But the problem was that I was born three months early. I wasn't supposed to arrive until the beginning of August. But I guess because my parents were on vacation, And I thought vacation sounded fun. I joined the party early. And I was raised in a Christian home. My parents are godly people. And so from the very beginning of my life, and probably, well, the beginning of my life, but probably even before I was born, my parents were instilling in me Christian principles. When I was five years old, I did business with God. And committed my life to him. I'd like to be able to tell you that from that point on everything was roses and I didn't have any struggles in my life. But for any of you that has breathed air on planet Earth, you know that's not true. And particularly for me, it was kind of the beginning of the journey. And what I mean by that is that for the first nine years that I was saved, I was content, or I knew where my eternal destination was. I knew that heaven awaited me, but my temporary destination stunk. And I had many conversations with God about how God, I read about how you're supposed to be all-knowing and how you don't make mistakes, but God, I think you made at least one. Because here I sit in this crippled body. And if you had just given me a healthy body, then I could serve you. Then I could do so much for you. And this went on for nine years. Until finally, when I was about 14 years old, I went to a conference. And one of the things I was talking about is the way God makes you physically. Because they are talking about things that you can't change about yourself no matter how much you want to. Jesus said it this way. He said, Who which of you can add one cubit to his stature by worrying about it? But that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to add to my physical life by worrying about it and by being upset with God. And at that point, um, God worked in my life and He said, you need to stop running. You need to yield yourself fully to Me and then I will take over and I will use you. And from that point on, I made a commitment that I would proclaim the Word of God wherever God would open the door. And for the last four years... Particularly, I did a little before that. But for the last four years particularly, I have made it my ambition and my goal to travel wherever God will allow me to preach the Word of God. To preach the pure and unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, today there's a lot of gospels being preached. But Paul said, If anybody preach another gospel than that which I have preached to you, let him be accursed. And so I'm responsible for the whole truth of God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But let's look at our passage today. I want to look at the man born blind, because I know that you're going through the parables, and I think there's a living parable here, as we'll see later in the passage. But more importantly, I've had three times in my life now where people have told me that if I had enough faith, God would heal me. I even had one guy said that tell me that he figured out what I could do to get right with God so that I could be walking again. And the first time this happened to me, I went into a three-day depression. And I was like, God, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe... I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I need to change something, and that's why. But as I was going through this, I turned to this passage, and it really helped me. Let's look at the first five verses really quick. And if you're taking notes, my first point, these three points that I have are all questions that we can ask about this passage. And the first one is, why was this man born blind? And we're going to see In the first five verses, Jesus is going to answer that question. And it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but the works should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, Well, it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus sees this man. It's kind of significant in this case because this man was not seeking out Jesus. But Jesus sees this man... And the disciples do too, and they ask him, Why was this man born blind? And the disciples had a common held belief, which as I demonstrated, is still held by many today, that the reason for his disability must have been some direct sin against God. You know, the biggest reason why I'm sitting in this chair today is because the, the, the earth, the entire earth, is under the curse of sin because of what Adam and Eve decided to do in the garden. That is the biggest reason why I am in this chair. But secondarily, and probably much more exciting is that I am in this wheelchair today because God's glory can be manifest in me better from this wheelchair than if I was standing before you today. And I believe that with all my heart. And with the minute that my wheelchair is not necessary to my ministry, God will take it away. I happen to believe that that will be in heaven. If He chooses to do so before... I'll be happy about it. I'm not going to sit in here any longer than I have to. But he knows what he's doing. And then Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, he also called us the light of the world. He said, You are the light of the world. And before he went to heaven, he said, You are my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So when he left, when his physical body left us, he left us his Holy Spirit so that we could carry on the mission of being the light of the world. So, my question, one of my questions to you today is are you fulfilling that mission? My second point is, how was he healed? This is also interesting to what Jesus does, because sometimes Jesus heals by the spoken word. Sometimes he heals simply by a touch. But he went through a bit more of a complicated process this time. And it says in John chapter 9, verse 6, When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, And he said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, Is this not he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And we'll get into that. But first I want to look at a couple things here. Jesus could have easily said to the blind man, Receive your sight. And that blind man would have been seeing. Because guess what? When Jesus says something, it happens. But he doesn't do that. He anoints the eyes of the blind man with clay. And my dad was um, looking at this passage this week as well. And he pointed out that John MacArthur made an interesting observation. He said, man was made from the dust of the ground. So it's quite possible that when Jesus took that mind, and put it on the man's eyes, he was literally making new eyes for that blind man. Because this God, this, this man Jesus, who was standing before this blind man, he was the same God who spoke the world into existence. How often do we take the time to think about that? The God of this earth, the God who created everything, was standing in a human body on the soil He created. The second thing I want to mention is He sent him to wash at the pool of Siloam. You know what? If that blind man had said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. would just be a blind man with dirty eyes. You see, God calls us to do His will. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so often, we take the commands of God and we say, I can't do that. Remember what Naaman said in the Old Testament when he was told to dip in the River Jordan? He said, are there not many more clean bodies of water? And then his servant said to him, but if he had asked you to do something complicated, wouldn't you have done it? See, that's where a lot of people are living today. They say, well, the gospel's too simple. That's why it's not true It's not true because the gospel should require something. Well, it did, my brothers and sisters. It required the blood of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. It required the perfect sacrifice that only Jesus could give. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that you can add to or take away from it to make salvation complete. I'm here today because Jesus died and was buried and rose again the third day. Because if you go to the tomb, it's empty. That is why I'm here today. And then moving on to my third point, my final point. What were the results? I've always found this a fairly comical story, if you think about it, because some of these people were like, this guy's like him, but I'm not sure if it's him, even though most of them probably knew that it was because they had lived among him, and how many, you know, how many people would look like this guy, I don't know, maybe he had a familiar look, like certain people go into Walmart and they just have the look that says, I work there. But whatever whatever it was, they had this dispute. But let's look at John chapter 9, verses 11 to 15, and then verses 24 and 25, and 34 and 35. And I, I would encourage you to go back and read the whole passage when you have more time to do so. But this is what these verses say. He answered, this is the man that was formerly blind, He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon my eyes, and I washed and I do see. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God praise. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. He hadn't even met Jesus personally yet. And already, he was anathema to them because they hated Jesus. Jesus said, If the world hated me, it will hate you also. And they kept asking him the question, expecting a different answer. But he could only give them the answer that was the truth. That Jesus made him see. And... Uh, It's so sad because the Son of God, the very God that these Pharisees claimed to follow was standing before them but they counted Him a sinner. Because their popularity, their power was more important than truly seeking the will of God. These men were required to study the Old Testament ad nauseum. They knew the words. But they knew not the word made flesh. So my exhortation to you secondly is, do you know the words, or do you know the word made flesh? I know the word. And I encourage you to trust him today because you know what? There's a day coming when I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to leave this wheelchair and it's going to rot. And I'm going to step on those streets of gold with new legs. And I'm going I have jogging shoes on order. Because I have a lot of jogging to do once I get up there. And I want you guys all to be there. Some of you, I've been waiting to race you for a long time. And uh, I'm, I can't wait for that. And you can be there too. Just a few more verses from John 9 in conclusion. And then I will let uh, Peter take the remainder of the time. But here's what Jesus said. At the end, after he'd come to this blind man, he came to the blind man. I don't know if he heard directly what was going on in the synagogue, but he comes to the blind man, and he says, "Do you believe in the Son of God?" And the blind man says, "Tell me who he is that I may believe on him." And Jesus said, I who stand before you am he. And he fell down on his knees and believed. My friends, that healing, the healing that took place in that blind man's heart was a hundred million times more important than the physical healing that occurred. And we'll read about it here. Jesus said this, For judgment I am come into the world, starting in John 9 39. For judgment I am come into the world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. You see, it's a common misconception that man is basically good and that we screw up sometimes. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But the Pharisees thought they were okay. So they couldn't receive any help from God. That's why they said he's a friend of publicans and sinners. Because the publican said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when somebody legitimately says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, he is obligated by his character to show that person mercy. But if you don't come to that point, if you don't realize the judgment of God that you are under, you cannot experience the mercy of God. Knowing the terror of God, I seek to persuade you to assume, to allow Jesus to assume the role of Lord of your life. These days are evil. Men hate Jesus and everything He stands for. The only way you can get away with saying Jesus these days is by cursing. Let me tell you something. When we hear Jesus uttered as a curse word, it should cause us to tremble and weep because that is our very Lord of glory whom we worship. And one day, the Bible says, every knee will bow before the Lord. And I'm looking forward to that day. But if you don't bow before Him now, you'll be bowing before Him in fear and anguish. And then you'll be cast into the lake of fire where the worm dieth not. That's the choice. Eternity in heaven with peace and joy. Or eternity in hell with anguish and torment. I urge you to choose Jesus if you have not already done so. And if you've chosen Jesus, are you living for Him? Do people say when they see you, when they've been with you, can they say as they said of the apostles that these men have been with Jesus? I pray with all my heart that they can. I will turn the remainder over to Peter, but first of all, I just want to ask you to continue to pray for me as I seek more opportunities to serve Him. Um, If you want more information about me, you can go to my website, uh, which is speakingforhim.com, speakingthenumberforhim.com. I have a weekly podcast there that comes out every Friday, and I'm always looking for more opportunities to preach and share the Word of God. Thank you very much, and uh, God bless you.